You're tuned in to another book club episode of the Comics Pals, the only podcast where one man speaks to himself in three different voices. Hmm. Those voices are allegedly Pete. Hello. Sean. Hello. And sometimes I'm Kale. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For the month of February, we decided to tackle a romance comic, so I chose The Infinite Loop by... I've been taking French classes, so... You got prepare this. for this. <laughs> Pierre Collinet and oh. Elsa Chartier. Oh. Wow, I was really expecting this to be the part of the show where Kale gets someone's name wrong, and you just nailed it. I told you. I've been taking French classes. Absolute nailed it. I'm basically European now. Man, I would have said something <laughs> totally different, dude. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I, I still think I said it wrong, but uh, that was the best I could do. Pierre Collinier. I think that's what it is. Colinier. Sounds good. Well, yeah, <laughs> you did good. You're goddamn right, it does. <laughs> Those classes were expensive. I grabbed this, <laughs> grabbed this quick plot synopsis that I thought uh, encapsulated the whole book without spoiling anything. So I'm going to do that real quick, and then we'll get into our uh, spoiler-free thoughts about the the book itself. The Infinite Loop focuses on Teddy, an intelligent, independent, and defiant woman who occasionally falls victim to the lure of love. Teddy is a time traveler who must fix anomalies so that they don't alter the time stream. Then she encounters an anomaly that is a beautiful woman named Anno. And instead of fixing it, Teddy protects her at all costs. So let's get into it. What were your spoiler-free thoughts of The Infinite Loop? Uh, well, let's see. I thought that it was just okay, if not a little less than that, just because it it, it has a really, really lofty setup, you know? The, mm-hmm. the actual playing mm-hmm. field is very large, and I don't think it really makes good use of that. Um, mm and i liked teddy teddy was 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 likable as a character but i feel like every single character in this book including teddy to a degree has almost no personality to speak of they're kind of just like mm. you know generic this is what i need so this is what they're going to be type thing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i really like the art I thought I thought there were some cool panels and some inspired decisions, but there were times throughout the book and a lot of them have to do with decisions that the writer made that the art is very it's very difficult to understand what's happening and track from panel to panel what the story is. And that was frustrating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and without spoiling anything, the book really goes hard in a you know preachy way about certain things and i like the message but i thought that the delivery vehicle was just bad and it was a turnoff so that's it for me honestly i don't have anything to add to what sean said um like if i i have my notes here that i wrote and it's he like it's almost everything he just said is right there so i'm good to to put that as my <laughs> bottom line and move into the spoiler discussion yeah for me this this is half of a a good story 
like I, I like the romance angle and I think the romance angle plays really well. But it's when you mm. get into the, the time travel stuff that it really starts it gets really hand hand wavy and, and very um <clears throat> very um uh, pedantic. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um I honestly I think the the one thing I would say just in response to that is like I don't even know if I agree that the romance stuff is good. I think it has moments that are good. Mm. But I feel like it, I feel like that being, if we're gonna say that's the good part of the story, which I think is fair to say on some level, I think that gets crushed under the weight of the science fiction. Yeah, because the science fiction is not very well executed, and I think to Sean's point, I don't think the characters are well developed enough for the romance to be compelling. Mm. Yeah, it definitely felt. Like I mean, we should probably—I I won't even say anything. We we're going to talk about everything when we get into the, you know, yeah. definitely. Let's just get into this. <clears throat> definitely. Stuff. Uh, just one more thing I want to add to this that I forgot to write in my notes. This this book started as a French Kickstarter and was brought over to IDW after a very successful campaign and I guess critical success in in France. So okay. That's uh, cool. Congratulations. Uh, there is a second volume of it, which I didn't know about until I started doing the, the research for all this. I was wondering about that. Yeah, it came out in 2017, I think. Uh, yes. Um, yes. It's about two years later. Yeah, this, uh, this was originally published in 2015. Before we get into the whole review, if you haven't read The Infinite Loop and want to read Unencumbered by Our Thoughts at Large, feel free to stop here and come back. We'll be here. We're always here. And you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms under our monocle, under our moniker, The Comics Pals. I like under our monocle. That's good, too. That's that's how I exist, is under a monocle. Interesting. <laughs> Does Jess wear a monocle? <laughs> only, when, only when I want her to. <laughs> oh. Some Monopoly man cosplay. Yeah, she she makes the money. she makes the money. That includes YouTube. Find us on YouTube. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Leave a review. All that garbage. We also recently <laughs> launched a Discord. You can find that link on our social media pages and feel free to join into the conversation and tell us your thoughts. Or you can always write to us by email at thecomicspiles at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the main show where we talk about all of the trending news related to the comic book medium, wherever you get your podcasts. And if we're not there, let us know. We'll get Marco on it. That's right. <laughs> now, let's do it. I like this book as sort of half a romance story and half a sci-fi story. And... As, as we sort of said earlier, the sci-fi is where it sort of falls off. Yeah, and I think at the detriment to the romance stuff that I think has elements that work. Mm. Like, But I, I think, honestly, a lot of the heavy lifting is done by the art. Yeah. You know, in that department where, like, there are visual beats of their romance that are memorable and... Um, and, and, and well executed, but I don't think that either um, either of our, our, our main characters are developed enough for their romance to, like, feel like it has weight for me, you know? Because, like, we're just getting glimpses of it, and it feels like it goes from zero to a hundred, like, very quickly, you know? 
Like, it's like a love at first sight narrative kind of thing where it's like, I don't believe in love. Love doesn't exist in our culture. Oh, but she is really beautiful. <laughs> so we fell in love. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think I think a lot of the, the way that that plays out is like um, – this ha- this is gonna sound weighted, but like allow me to explain it. It, it feels juvenile, and it feels like the kind of romance, um, like that we would deride as being kind of like a young adult look at how romance works, or like a Disney look at how romance works. You know, and I think that those are things that we, you know, traditionally um, are real critical of. And, you know, I think, like, this narrative is not immune to that for me because I feel like it's super weird that that's the pacing of their romance and it, it, it becomes so immediately intense. And the fact that, like, uh, Avo is... Anno. Anno, sorry. Um, Anno is, like, kind of a an uncomfortable trope, in my opinion, where, like, she is... Uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, physically an adult woman, but, like, she doesn't... Re- like, she comes into the world with this, like, not really... Like, she, it's clear that she's learning about everything as she's experiencing it. Yeah. And except for sexuality. Yeah. And, like, that feels super, like, weird to me. And I feel like it's the kind of thing where, like, if this wasn't... um a queer narrative, we would be like that super like sexist, you know, because it is this like out of nowhere, this perfect sex goddess materializes to teach you about love, you know, and it's like I don't, I that like it feels very tropey to me in a way that's like not good and not subversive. It it's and it and I think visually the kind of romanticization of their relationship is really cool and and works but when you really cut the beats apart and look at it from like a structural level or like a script level i it just like doesn't i don't connect with it and there are things about it that i feel like are kind of problematic well and back back to your your sort of sexist comment like and and I feel like I I'm gonna walk a thin line with this one too. It to me, especially the the love scene, feels like a love scene written by a man. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like. Yeah, I know, I get it, but I can't yeah. like help but feel that way. <laughs> That's the thing that I feel like it, it's tough for me to speak to, you know. But like, I get what you mean. Where like, um. I wrote I wrote in my notes I was like I feel like there are things about it that feel gazy. Yes. Yes, that's a great you know? way to put it. That's a great way to put um, it. Where it's it's like <laughs> it's it's like the Black Widow butt shots, you know? Um and that was the kind of thing that I remember like when we saw Wonder Woman we were like, "Oh, it's so cool that like it doesn't have that." And it's like it feels kind of like that, you know, where it's like very much romanticizing um, sex without really like telling us much about them as people or why they love each other beyond the fact that they fuck. Uh, well, as the not puritanical one among us, I don't care about that part 
because sex is that, you know, sex is, is people that are naked and and that happens. And, you know, this was a comic that chose to go there. And (laughs) I don't know the, the, the orientation of the creators, but you know, this is a narrative that they are choosing to go with. You know, the fact that these are, I presume, lesbian characters who are in love with each other. Um, and that's cool. But if I think the, the point that was made that if, if this were like a, a book written by like just a regular straight guy, um, this, this book would be a, a big problem. You know, people have a lot of, a lot of problems with it. Um, but it, it does, it does challenge, I think, or it should challenge the way <clears throat> you, you address those kind of issues in your mind, because like, it's, it's, it's the difference between, you know, again, the artist here is, uh, is, uh, Elisa, and then however you pronounce her last name, Kill Elsa, Elsa, oh, Elsa, Elsa Chartier, Elsa Chartier, okay. Uh, you know, she's the the artist, and she's choosing to depict these characters in this way. So, mm. you know, there goes your male gaze right there. Um, <laughs> I, I would also point well, out uh, she's also French. They're both French, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and I think that makes sense too, right? Like, they definitely are going to have different uh, sensibilities about the depiction of sex i think mm-hmm. just as mm-hmm. europeans but you know um I, I and to to the point that you're making sean i don't like i'm not coming at it from necessarily like uh like it wasn't anything that i found like offensive or anything like that um but uh i i guess it's just the fact that like i feel like there wasn't much substance to the romance aside from that you know that art. Well, I'd love to speak to that by talking about a whole different comic book. Uh, we did a book club last okay. year, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> Devil, obviously last year, about Alex and Ada, and it was a mm. very, very similar story about a guy who uh, is gifted a robot, uh, an android or whatever, and the robot is a woman. That he is attracted to. He's lonely because he just lost his girlfriend. And there's a 15-issue story about their forbidden love. This is very similar to that in that it's a forbidden love story. The outside world would not allow this. They have to fight against, you know, preconceived notions, yada, yada, yada. The key – there are two key differences in my opinion. And you can go listen to that book club if you want my full thoughts on Alex and Ada. The differences are uh, one, 15 issues versus four. Four issues is not a long time to establish so many things. You could take the romance out of this story entirely and you still wouldn't have had enough time to establish – just what the story is about in terms of the sci-fi elements, right? Like the forgers and the anomalies and stuff. I don't even fully understand it now. And I read the whole thing. And there were times when I had to go back and reread stuff because I felt lost. Hmm. Uh, but so that that one part, that this one is just so much shorter. But then the other part is that those characters and Alex and Ada, uh, they're very, very well-defined to where I was invested and I really, really cared about everything that was happening with them. 
Whereas with this book, you can't say that I really cared much. Uh, I spent most of my experience trying to just keep up, and that should never be the case, I don't feel. Especially because nothing Mm -hmm. that was being said was complicated. It just wasn't well established. And like I said, sometimes you could even tell who was where, you know, on the panels because there's multiple teddies and and there's all this different stuff. So it just got really difficult to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was really the thing that I struggled with the most was I didn't I didn't feel like that was I think probably one of my only criticisms of the art really is like in moments where there are the multiple teddies, um, like not necessarily uh, the internal monologue. I thought that was all handled really well, but when it was actual multiple teddies on the ground during the like you know timeline apocalypse or whatever, it was so hard to follow like who was which teddy that we had interacted right. with before, you know, and like which like which voice are you, you know, of the five or six that I've met, mm. Sean? Let me ask you this with what you're saying about not caring about the characters does that does that not make the love scene and basically everything that comes after out of the relationship does that not make it all feel unearned i mean i think it's definitely unearned uh i hmm. think again like if 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 anyone who was just a straight you know guy wrote a story mm. about a guy, you know, who he just happens upon a girl who comes into existence out of nowhere and is just this sex pot who ha- is almost childlike in their lack of knowledge but is amazing at sex. You know, if that were if that were the story being told, we'd be talking about this differently. And mm. it would be just as unearned, it'd be just as ridiculous but there would be an edge of sexism to it that gets removed from the conversation here because of the people who created the book. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would definitely agree with what Sean's putting down there um, where I, I think it's uh, – and like it, it, it it's it, – I guess it is different inherently because of that fact. But yeah, I think narratively like it still leaves that same kind of taste in my mouth where I just – I don't feel like – I don't feel like the characters are developed enough for me to be invested in them. And I think that their romance feels like flimsy and a little bit weird because of the whole like childlike sex pot trope thing. Like that's a thing that like, I don't think is a good look, you know? Um, And uh, like, I don't know. Like I, I, I get it. I get it as kind of like a metaphor for like having a sexual awakening, but like it's still turning this character who's supposed to be the most important character in the story aside from the main character and like making her just this object of desire really, you know, like, and her personality is malleable because she doesn't have one when you meet. I also felt like the way that Teddy comes to realize that, or maybe she already knew, but it's not, it's not explicitly stated that she's lesbian or not straight is really weird. And like what you would kind of, what you would think that some dumbass 
who doesn't get it would think that that's like because it's like she doesn't really want a relationship she's not down for um ulysses but then this hot chick just comes out it's like oh yeah you know let's go have sex i you know i need you it it just it's like whoa like where's the development like yeah you're only gay you're, you're only lesbian because this woman is beautiful like there's no and then and then all of a sudden she's this massive um you know uh messiah and and like she really cares about this stuff when she didn't care before and it just happens like that and 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 to that point even before she <laughs> lays into anno so to speak she <laughs> she has you know her we see her first sort of inner dialogue with our other selves and it all kind of comes down to oh well she's a hot girl and she's got boobs yeah, and and I feel like uh, to the point that Sean's making, right? Like I feel like that's a that's if that is the direction they want to go, right? Of having like Anno be this kind of representative thing of like a sexual awakening, um, fine. Uh, but like there are two opportunities, right, to establish um, to establish like clues about her sexuality right where there's the interaction with ulysses where he expresses her his feelings for her and she doesn't she rejects him because she's like no like romance is like not a thing that people do and it's archaic and whatever um like i feel like it would have been that could have been an opportunity to talk about how sexuality works in this world Mm. because later on in her apartment uh we see that she has a vibrator so like I think the implication there is that in this future, like, people don't love, but they still have sex, you know? So – or or they, they at least still have sexuality. Sure. So the idea that she was already, you know, um, that the reason that that moment doesn't feel big is because it isn't, right? Because in this future, there isn't there isn't, like – coming out there isn't all those things because we've evolved past that to some degree um which again fine but like why isn't that a part of that conversation that she has with ulysses instead of it just being like no i don't believe in love and that's why i'm turning you down and then all of a sudden she's like boobs i'm in love you know and i i feel like it's 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 like an execution problem you know where i just i feel like the the setup for the character and understanding her sexuality isn't there because to Sean's point, like it's never really um, explicitly stated. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be right. Like we don't need for them to be like, Oh, I am a lesbian. Right. But like to explore her sexuality in some way, rather than frame it as a rejection of love and then connect it to kind of both of those things. It felt feels like clumsy. You know, and I feel like you end up with like, it feels like a weird kind of like, I don't know, just a stumbling, a fumbling of like, uh, of what should be a pretty important character moment because of how much um, like her sexuality is like the framework of the the narrative. You know, like that's ultimately what it's about is like 
uh, a lesbian woman coming to terms with her sexuality. And, like, that is played out through this crazy time travel science fiction narrative that, like, I feel like ultimately, like, it crumbles under its own weight because, like, neither of them end up feeling super satisfying. So, I... I felt okay. So when it comes to the character of Anno, here was my thing. She ends up in a place when she starts reading and she starts learning and, and realizing that she wants to be this activist or that's the that's the way to be in life, where she becomes kind of the opposite of Teddy because we see that you know Teddy's mother taught her you know, the 1984 rules to live by where, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss and whatever whatever the mantra is. Um, mm. And that that is kind of, Arnold's perspective is kind of inspiring for Teddy in a way. Or at least that's how I viewed it. So if that's the case, that's cool. But it comes so late that it's hard to understand what it is about Anno that Teddy likes. If she had always been that way, that would have been interesting because I could see why she would be mentally attracted to her. Physically, okay, fine. But the the mental part is what's absent because she's a blank slate and that's deliberate. So, mm-hmm. and also, by the way, there's some that they play really fast and loose with that too because even besides sex, there's things she, she knows and doesn't know. Um, and yeah. that was really stupid, I thought. But um, yeah, <clears throat> it would have been more compelling had Anno come into the picture with a, with an actually developed personality as opposed to having to build it over time because it doesn't make any sense what it is that Teddy sees in her. And once we get to the point where she has a personality, it's like, all right, I got this, but none of it feels earned really at all. Yeah, let's uh. I want to talk about the sci-fi aspect of it, and I want to kind of fold that into the activism part of it, uh, be- okay. because I think those those are inextric- inextricably linked, but I don't feel like they work. Okay. Now you guys, you guys said you had a lot of problems with the the time travel and the <clears throat> the way it's portrayed and the way it works. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't. I feel like it's not very well executed because like i don't i don't think it's like um it doesn't feel like it's like bad in like a plot holy kind of way it's more just like it feels like we spend so much time trying to understand how the time travel is playing out and like what like how these ripples work and what's going on and like the reveal that it is you know um this broader thing where it's all of these different teddies and everything like it gets very convoluted very quickly Mm. and it's not like i couldn't follow it in a like i can sit here and tell you like this is what happened and i and i get it um but it, it just feels kind of like i feel like it gets crushed under its own weight because it spends the first couple issues like setting up that stuff a little bit and then kind of using that as an excuse to put our characters in a bubble and let us spend some time with them. And then it's like, okay, cool. You get who they are, right? And that they're in love. All right, full speed ahead on this crazy science fiction stuff. And I feel like 
it like it doesn't it doesn't like amount to enough for me. And I and I feel like um, Sean made the point in our spoiler free section where it's like by the end of the book it feels like it gets very very um, heavy handed in deliver and like being like I need to deliver my message and it like takes a lot of shortcuts to do that and I don't feel like the I don't feel like the romance story enhances the time travel story and i don't think that the time travel story enhances the romance story Mm. and you you said how it feels like it's kind of like two separate things and that's very much how i feel for me yeah for me the romance angle dies when anno does yeah after that it's a completely different book and and it feels it almost feels like it should have been two different books or like it should have been um like, it needed to be longer, you know? Like, because if we had spent, you know, one, two issues or whatever, like, you know, or say one issue, right? And we get the same introduction to Teddy and her lifestyle and a little glimpse of this world. And then, oh, wow, like, this woman changes everything. And then we spent five or six issues with them seeing how their relationship develops, seeing why they love each other, like, really getting into kind of like the warmth of that space, then those the stuff the stuff that comes later would maybe feel like it has more stakes. Mm. But I feel like just at the time where you're settling into the flow of what's going on, like Anno dies and we're thrust into, oh, you're the chosen one. You know? This chosen one narrative. And yeah, I just I feel like the whole thing just feels a little half baked. I made the mistake earlier of saying this was four issues; it's actually six. I when I realized yes. that, I was actually stunned here, sitting here, because it very much feels like four. Um, I can't mm-hmm. believe that I read six issues because it, it just doesn't feel like that. It, it, they don't. It, it doesn't feel as though there was enough. Six issues is a lot longer than four, and it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. much. Good was done with the six issues worth of space. Six issues is still less than this needed to be, even even with that being said. But still, I I I yeah. wanted to uh, speak on something that you had said, Pete, about the plot like making sense and there not being plot holes. Because I don't even know if I agree with that. The book starts by <laughs> showing us these anomalies, right? And what are the anomalies? It's a lightsaber. It's a phonograph. It's a this, a that. You know, these random objects, right? So. And then, right, a and then a T-Rex. <laughs> so that when you later find out that this is all done by Teddy, and it's all these Teddies, and ultimately they want to, you know, shake the foundation of the way that, you know, things are done and want to want to switch things up. It's like, okay, cool. So then why are they sending photographs through? Why are they making those anomalies? It, 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 it didn't, it didn't, I didn't get that. It doesn't make sense to me why they were doing that. Yeah. Uh, it, that has nothing to do with yeah, that's anything a fair point. at all. Well, and even even weirder, like, our Teddy, for a lack of a better term, is going and making these anomalies, and the others are fixing it, as I understand it. Like, I guess I didn't quite get what... You mean while, like, the whole meltdown situation's happening? Yeah. Yeah, yes. that was my interpretation of it, is that our Teddy is de- trying to mess with the fabric of reality to lure out the boss, and then, you know, they, the rest of them are, are like, 
throwing duct tape over the cracks in the foundation. Yeah, they were like, "Oh shit, we need your help." And she's like, "Okay, well, fuck it. I'm going to bra- I'm going to go right to the problem." And then they're like, "I'm going to go rogue." Oh, wait, you can't do that. <laughs> and yeah, it just it just just was so odd. And then later on in the book, when they go to that that place where they're holding all the human anomalies or like not human, but you know, the yeah, all of the living yeah. anomalies uh, and I guess all those pots and shit are in a warehouse somewhere. Emmett Till is there. And I had a Ooh. big problem with that. I wondered if you yeah. would. <laughs> and he's That made me very uncomfortable. He's not the only one that's there. There's other character uh, real life humans that existed that are yeah. there. Yeah, Harvey Milk is there. And the 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 idea there is these are, you know, she had visited some of these places and, you know, whatever. And it's like hand waved away the fact that he's not an anomaly. But it's like, oh, but he, I guess he kind of is, and that's just why he's there. It didn't make any <laughs> sense at all. It's like, it's like, it's like, but in a way, you are, right? In a and way. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's explained earlier, I think, that all of these people died for love in some form or fashion. No, because it's like, it's not even that. Because, like, earlier they say, like, oh, lots of people, lots of couples have died for love. But then these are all people that were just, like, martyrs for a cause and, like, pushing forward society, you know? Well, they yeah, it's it's very hand-wavy over the they died for love. But, like, that's what they said. Mm, okay. And they the first example they use is Emmett Till. <laughs> Emmett Till. Yeah, and that's not even true. I just, like... <laughs> The, the the so the book went from like all okay you know like not not you know not great or anything but like okay to what is this I don't get this and it's doing things to actively make me mad and if you guys are cool with it I'm just gonna lay those out right now so we can get them yeah on the go table. for it dude okay so Emmett Till right I because this book is very uh very on the nose and you know doesn't leave anything to be really thought about there's no subtext here was really not cool with the fact that the only black actual character that's not emmett till in the book is the villain because Mm -hmm. everybody else is you know whatever they are and then you got this black woman who's the villain i really didn't like that and if this book were just a book about anything else, I wouldn't care. But because of what it's about and because of how on the nose it all is, that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. The one character who switches genders at will, I didn't understand why that would be a thing other than to make the point that gets made. Yeah, and right. That was really frustrating. I also didn't like the fact that when Ulysses is asking he asked the question uh, – I forget exactly what he asked that character about. I think it was about their identity. And the character just explodes on him. Like there's like yeah. pa- thick panels or, or thick uh, dialogue balloons addressing how stupid Ulysses is for even asking something like that. And how it's none of his business and blah, blah, blah. And whether that's true or not, it just was like, why are you stopping – right now to do this like this is not even a part of the story you just feel like you need to make this point right now because you're on your soapbox and so that was frustrating um yeah like 
the, those are the main points. Oh, then also the other one that I wanted to to speak on is Teddy's mother. Is there's there are no humans that exist that are like Teddy's mother. Teddy's mother. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Teddy's yep. mother says to her, you know, literally like the 1984 mantra. I, I forgot how it goes. Like peace through slavery or what you know whatever we've all read 1984 yeah. like she literally just says that <laughs> no one on earth talks like that what planet is this woman from it just didn't make any sense i think sense. that was a problem with a lot of the dialogue where it's just like people don't talk like this yeah um like there's a part and i i want to say the last issue uh <laughs> where um where where uh she's talking about ulysses and she says nor and I'm like, no one fucking says nor. Like, no one <laughs> says that. In like, she's like, people who aren't like you, like, can't be can't be trusted nor counted upon oh, or whatever. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, like no one talks like that. And like, she hasn't talked like that this entire story. You know, that was the other thing that was just crazy. Like, Ulysses has been down. Like, he didn't. Okay, so he he went crazy the way he he attacked Teddy and Anno. That was wild. We know that in in the history of Ulysses and Teddy, throughout all these different you know dimensions, he actually yeah. kills Anno, and this is the one Ulysses that wasn't gonna do it. So, okay, fine. He he definitely earned some ill feelings, but Teddy is hugging him and crying and really like relying on him like the best friend that he's always been. Yeah. And he's been riding with her the whole time, putting his life on the line. So when he isn't right there with them later on in the book, she just flips shit. She's like, he bailed. Like, why like- would that? Why would he even have done that? Why would that be your thought? He's never done that to you before. Right. Yeah. And I. I and I feel like in general, his characterization felt really inconsistent to me. Because like, if because uh, because again, like, I feel like. The the presentation that I was getting from that character was like, oh, like he's a nice guy, right? Like he's her mm-hmm. best friend or whatever. But as soon as she rejects him romantically or sexually, like he's gonna turn into a monster, right? And to your point, Sean, right? In like every other reality, that's literally what happens, you know. Um, and in this one, there's like shades of that, and he does some like real weird, sketchy, like questionable shit like that. And then it's like, oh, no, okay, this one, this Ulysses is actually not a bad guy. Like, he's not a killer. Like, even if he did some fuckboy stuff, like, he's all right. Like, he's not a bad dude. And then to your point, like, he goes and does all this good guy stuff with them and is presented then as a good character. And then it's like, okay, but, like, maybe he's being a scumbag. It just feels like... We're going back and forth, and it's like if you if he's a bad guy, let him be a bad guy. If he's if you're gonna redeem the character, redeem the character. Like, and 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 I and I feel like they it's it. I feel like we're supposed to feel like he's redeemed, but like it doesn't necessarily feel like that comes across. You know, like when the chips are down or whatever. Be, okay, so and the, you know what I want to say here. You know, I'll try to say it cautiously, but it feels like it feels as though the book is presenting a narrative that if you are, if well, the character is white, so I'm just gonna go with that, and the other, the two like goons are white. So if you're if you're a white guy, it doesn't matter what you do, 
that already has discounted you as being able to be good. Mm. And mm. there's Ooh. never, even though he's not bad, there's never a moment where the narrative says that. In fact, it's all, he's always on the precipice in the minds of the, the other characters of screwing up. So when he's mm. not immediately present, it's like, wow, what a piece of garbage. That's, of course he did that because that's, he's just white. There's no other reason why that, because the white dude. And mm. I, what I wanted was a redemption moment where the story isn't just like, if you're a minority person, specifically a, 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 a queer person, uh, that you need to stand together and all of that. I wanted a, a message of like, we all need to stand together regardless. And Ulysses represented that. But the story doesn't mm. give him that moment because he doesn't fit the mold. Well, and to that to that point, it's funny because I didn't I didn't really like read it a hundred percent that way. But you pointing it out, like I I feel like that's true on on definitely on some level at least. Uh, and, and I feel like they do say that, like in the part of the book when you get to the end, and it's like here's a bunch of quotes from like famous revolutionaries and you know like doing all this stuff that feels like it's kind of cheating to like get its message across in the same way that I totally agree with you with what you're saying about the um uh the gender queer character where like that character I, I don't remember their name it was like Archimedes or some shit um that that kid like feels like a mouthpiece right you know like rather than a character with an identity you know and I feel like it's the same kind of thing where like Ulysses is used in a bunch of different ways that are kind of like contradictory, you know, where like he's used mm. at like in the beginning, you're like, it's very much presented as like, oh, like they're best friends and they have this great relationship and like he has misplaced romantic feelings for her. Cool. There's a lot of places you can take that where and if it is that he rejects that and then all of a sudden he's a, a, a bad dude. That's a legit characterization and follow through with that. Right. Or if you're going to say, oh, like, even if he's initially hurt, even if he lashes out and does things that are wrong, at the end of the day, we're still friends. He cares about you. He's a decent person. He's not a violent person. Cool. That's a redemption arc. Commit to that. And it, Instead, it feels like we kind of like it swerves and we use him however we need to. And then at the end, it's like they have that moment where all of the different teddies are talking. And it's like and all these other people that aren't affected by it are are, are working with us. And those and it, like that's very much like a nod towards like, you know, allies. Yeah. But like the character who's the representative character of that definitely is like presented as like a bare minimum meeting the bar for being a decent okay guy and is is generally still pretty shitty mm. like when you look at the sum of his actions you know like yeah he sticks up for teddy like once or twice but then it's like he gets super jealous and crazy and like in every other timeline he becomes a killer that's not like normal you know like that's not you know, that's mm. an extreme personality, and this one version of him is not that, and even he is kind of portrayed as a douchebag. Yes, and if that's the story that they wanted to tell, there's there's reasoning that I could understand behind that, because unfortunately that does really happen. 
There are, yeah, there are, exactly. There are lots like, of times where you know men do have those kinds of horrible reactions, um, and he does, you know, teeter on that, but he clearly comes to his senses. But there's never an opportunity for him to be redeemed in the eyes of anybody, and I just I don't know that didn't that didn't sit right with me. Like, I feel like it would have been so easy, considering how tropey this book is, to just kill him. You know? Like, have sure. like have him, you know, like, in, like uh, at that point when they get attacked and the, the kid whose name I don't remember, it's like the one thing that they do that, like, affects the story besides leading them down, like, through the city, uh, which is when they push um, Ano and, uh, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm not remembering the main character. Teddy. Teddy. Put, it pushes the two of them down, right? Like, have that be him and he dies, you know? And it's like, oh, he was all right, cool. Like, great, move on. Mm. Like, you know? Like, he's a worthless character. It wouldn't matter to kill him off. But instead, it's like the one other relevant point in the story is when it's like, oh, where'd he go? He's probably up. He probably abandoned us. What a bastard. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, oh, no, he stuck around cool but he doesn't do anything he doesn't affect the plot in any way the only time he affects the narrative that is as an antagonist well he does make a, a grand return and he he goes i hope you douchebags brought adamantium umbrellas at adamantium oh yeah yeah yeah. because yeah, it's about sure. to fucking rain badassitude and he you know rains down i don't even know what that is it's like all these teddies from these portals i guess that he opens them out yeah it's um, end game. <laughs> that's the yeah. That's the last time that he's on a panel. That that's the that's his last appearance, and it doesn't like it affects the story. But there's not sure. a moment of like, oh man, thank you for doing this or anything like that. And yeah. to your point about all the revolutionaries in history, I just want to point out that none of those revolutionaries are white guys. And the only one that is, she tells him to shut up as she's running past him. So it very much feels like there's an agenda. And the only reason why I bring that up is because... Well, Harvey Milk's white, right? Well, yeah, but he's gay, right? So I, I, the point mm, okay. I'm trying to make is straight oh, all right. white men. Sure. Uh, okay. The, the only reason why I bring that up, I'm not some crusader for white dudes. It just very much feels like there's an imbalance here as it relates to equality. Well, and and one one other thing I, I was going to point out is that one of the quotes is from uh, Susan yeah. B. Anthony. She was also super fucking racist. That, I was thinking about that too. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot about that. Cool. You know, she might have had some good things to say, but she's also this. So don't yeah. talk. Don't preach at me when you're you, one of the role models that you're shouting out is also racist. You know, like it's like I don't know. It, it, this is where. I think that there's very much a place for a book exactly like this with the same ideas, mm. not not not, the, not necessarily the sci-fi stuff, but just like the ideas of, that the book is trying to present. Like the themes the, of exactly. it. Exactly. I think that there's a place for that. And I, I think that there are plenty of great books, comic books, that have LGBT themes in them. But when it gets to be this over the top and heavy handed, there are these questions and these inconsistencies that come up. And it's like, well, wait a second, you know, you're kind of throwing stones right now, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I've personally read narratives that I felt 
dealt with this kind of uh, stuff better than what is being presented right here. Well, and I like to build on that. It's funny because, like, also I think it's so funny when you. I, I would. I love that I can from now on quote Sean saying, "I'm not a crusader for white men." <laughs> I mean, listen. So in this, the year of our Lord, 2020, <laughs> I don't think anyone really no, is. <laughs> nor need there be. <laughs> but it's just funny. Uh, I, 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 I feel like. I didn't feel like it was, like, super heavy-handed and being, like, oh, like, fuck white dudes, like, to the point where I was, like, all right, or anything like that. But, like, I I, I definitely, like, I see what you're saying, and I feel like it's – what really rubbed me the wrong way is is not anything that it was trying to say, but the fact that, like, it didn't even say it itself, really. Like, when you get to the yeah. end and it's trying to, like – sum up all of its messages you know it's like it like i i you said it earlier where the the interaction with that kid it feels very much like the writer breaking the fourth wall to jump on a soapbox and i feel like that's what the that's where the story ends and like that's what rubs me the wrong way about it like it's absolutely nothing about the themes or any of what it's trying or wanting to say like I agree, um, you know, like w- with those positions as as a person, as a you know, as a political person. But like, I don't feel like the art does much to say anything about those themes or to like add to the conversation or present uh, a worldview that is like influenced by them or that that aims to like connect with other people like you know what i mean like i just i don't feel like it really does anything other than present a bunch of elements like a romance and a sci-fi narrative and themes that it wants to address but that's it like it sets them up but they don't really go anywhere they don't really do anything they don't really and obviously there are people that it connected with like it's a you know a, a fairly popular book but you know, I don't know, like, I think to the point that Sean made, like, there are plenty of narratives like this that are, you know, quote unquote, not for me, um, that I've connected with deeply, you know, because I think they speak to just like, they're like human, I I connect with human stories, right? Like, and I don't Mm -hmm. feel like there's Mm -hmm. much humanity in this story. Like, that comes across in some of the, the quieter moments, but that's such a small part of the book. You know, that's what, one, two issues? And that's it. I feel like I feel like the the metaphors are all over the place. Yeah, they're clumsy. Like they're they're. So is it is it gay versus not gay? Is it everyone's gay and it's against straight people? Is it is it people against anomalies? Is it gay people against anomalies? Is it and there's never a clear answer because it turns out that against all the the knowledge that Teddy has even though she's the best at her job she didn't know about the people anomaly factory or the warehouse or whatever <laughs> i just yeah the the metaphors are are just all over the place and and so that that message that is trying to bring forth falls apart 
You know what I thought was so interesting? I just I want to build on what you just said there, Kale, where at the end of every issue, um, there is like the letter to the editor section, right? And there's uh, a thing where they sum up the story as being about how hard it is to have a, a queer relationship in like a society that doesn't accept you. And I feel like that gets so lost in this whole thing. You know, like in in the minutia of the rest of the story, like if that's the central theme, I feel like that gets totally lost in the shuffle of with everything you're laying out. Well, and especially in 2015, it feels like a story that I, I hesitate to say this, but like it feels like a story that doesn't totally need to be told or like the angle that it takes needs to be you know it's it, it feels like an old angle mm. you know something before marriage equality something pre-obama yeah i don't know i don't i i don't really feel like i can speak to that assessment of it um because like i i feel like there's nothing wrong with it's a message. I just don't feel like it's very like like if 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 it was that same story and it was super artfully executed. I don't know that I would agree with that criticism. You know. Well, but but that's my point. Is is overall, it's just like the story is. It just beats you over the head with these broad themes, and and mixed metaphors. It fit to me. It feels like a like a a. And a late 80s episode of Quantum Leap or something. I mean, look, you know, this is what this is the story that they wanted to tell. And I, I try to judge the story on it, on its merits. You know, we you know, how many stories have we not seen, you know, in comics or any media that are the same as another story yeah. with a few widgets mm. switched around? So I, I feel like, you know, hey, if you sat down to tell this story and that's what you want to say, then hats off and do the best job you can. And I, I just don't feel like this was uh, told well, unfortunately. I, I feel that there are a lot of examples of this same kind of story because it has been done that are better, you know, uh, that are better executed. Mm -hmm. There are better examples in comics. One really great example that's not necessarily, it's not the same angle, but it does include LGBT themes is Crowded. And Crowded is a sci-fi book, mm. and it does have a lot of those same themes, and the main characters are, are you know, not straight. And there's never been a time when I was reading Crowded where I felt like this is over the top in terms of, you know, heavy-handedness or... Uh, I don't feel like I feel excluded from this story or, or anything like that. And reading this story, there were definitely times where I was like, I don't even know how I'm supposed to feel or if I'm even allowed to like have feelings. Like it just didn't feel like I was reading something that was for me. And I don't feel like I'm supposed to feel like that. I don't think anyone should ever feel like that. Because I don't think you walk into, say, Black Panther and go, oh, I'm white. I don't get this. Because at the, at the core of the story is something that's extremely relatable, you know. Um, and that's mm. what you're supposed to do in storytelling. The most effective stories are stories where, you know, anyone can come to the table regardless of who 
the main character is or what they look like. And I, I, I feel like this story just didn't do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think a, a great example that came to mind for me that I found myself making comparisons to is life is strange, you know, which is like a story about young queer women. And, um, and I like deeply connect with those characters in that story, you know? And, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that it, I don't, I don't think it's like an issue of this book, like not being for like written for me, even if it isn't, you know, cause I don't think that that's not something that's ever like been a problem for me when it comes to art, you know, cause I think I, I truly believe that good art is universal, you know, like we're all, mm. we're all people. And I don't, I don't think that I need to like have the same experiences or worldview as a creator to like connect with a story that's representative of them and their worldview and their culture, you know, or, or whatever. Um, cause like you said, like, like you look at something like a black Panther, right. And it's like, you know, obviously the, the setting is totally different, you know, and, um, none of the main characters look like me or whatever, but like, it's a human story. It's a story about family and legacy and responsibility. And like, those are human themes, romance, love. That's a human theme, like wanting to be accepted. Like that's a human theme. Um, so I, I don't I don't think that's the problem, you know, and I think that there might be people who listen to this and hear, you know, three sh- straight, you know, men say like saying these things and and I think come at our critiques that way. And like, you know, I, I would hope that um, that you don't feel that way after listening to the conversation, you know, because that's uh, <laughs> like I, I don't I don't feel like that's the issue. I don't think that's why we're not connecting with it. And maybe we would connect with it more if that was our, you know, experience. But like, I think I think it is an issue of like, just not executing on on the vision here. You know, like, I think this book ultimately has a lot of things it wants to say, and it doesn't do a great job of saying any of them, um, at least to, to us, right? Like, we all seem to be in agreement there. And how often is that the case? Well, <laughs> hey, man. I'm black, so I'm pretty used to uh, having to accept someone else's worldview and the, the cast of characters not necessarily sure. looking like me. So this is old hat. But, you know, a book either connects or it doesn't. Um, I'd really like to talk about the art if we could. Yeah, just quickly, that that quote from her from Teddy's mother was, <laughs> it was, stop, I don't want to hear it. Listen, your life will be easier if you follow these basic rules. War is peace, freedom is slavery, and most important, ignorance is strength. You know, that thing that mothers tell you? Right. Like, what? Is she a Stepford wife? Like, what's happening? Elsa Elsa Chartier is dope as hell. I, I love her art. I think she's incredible. Yeah, I think particularly like the issues with like following what was happening on screen sometimes notwithstanding um or on page i guess uh i i love her character models and character design um <laughs> like i think it was particularly cool getting to see her experiment like you know um with all the different like 
looks and outfits with the internal monologues and all the alternate universes and everything. So, like, it was cool getting to see her design or iterate on that original character design, which I think overall is pretty strong to begin with, you know? Like, she has a lot of bold colors, and, like, it's it's very easy to, you know, like, kind of immediately identify identify her on a page, at least. You know? And, like, that's that's good. That's effective character design for sure. And I think, like, there's a very romantic presentation of Anno and everything. And, you know, th- those elements, I think, are the things that, like, when I think about the book, like, those are the moments that stand out to me the most, you know? Or, like, the quiet human stuff, the romance stuff. I thought that there were some absolutely tremendous panels in this book. The one panel where they showcase what it looks like in the the anomaly factory from the inside is just so spacious and expansive. It's not the one panel, it's the double page, but it's just so beautiful and expansive. And I think that uh, there are a few moments like that, uh, especially earlier in the book, there there are a lot of panels that are just really, really cool. And I don't, I can't personally think of an artist who would have been better suited for this book just because of the way that she approaches the work. Like, this is just so brilliant, I feel. Um, I would love to know. I'd love to see the scripts to see how much of this was dictation versus ingenuity. But um, Yeah, like, the whole choose-your-own-adventure thing, I wonder, like, what was up with that? You know, like, was that something that was built into the script, or is that specifically like an art artistic choice i also really love the way it's depicted anytime that a character gets deleted i I really like that um Mm -hmm. and yeah the choose your own adventure thing was really cool too the pop in uh the small panels of a character's eyes or their facial facial reaction or this or that i really enjoyed the one like different thing that they did do in this book that I didn't like and really rubbed me the wrong way, and it was really kind of a tale of two stories almost, even artistically, because in the first half you have characters who will, like the the old guy I can't recall his name, um, the janitor, uh, oh Her- mm-hmm. Herman, yeah, 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 yeah. He looks at he looks at Teddy and, and they put in that meme face. I, I don't know what that what that's from, but. Isn't that the, the troll face, yeah, right? Yeah. They just throw yeah. that in there, and it's like, why would... And there's, like, random emoticons yeah. in the dialogue sometimes. Why would that and... appear? What is that, like, what does that mean? I just really, really didn't like those kinds of moments, but, um, yeah, otherwise. I th- Well, I think stuff like that would have worked if it was consistent. The fact that it never happens Goes again away. Yeah. was what bothered like, me. Like, it's in the early issues, and then it kind of gets abandoned, and it's it's weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's odd. Very odd. Um, but yeah, just to to speak on the art too. Um, I I think the color work is really good too. Uh, which it's the it's the same artist, and um, I I think that there's like a lot of there's just a lot of really good solid color choice in terms of like giving things like definition and making like characters pop. You know, um, like having the establishment of the book when the first time we see you know um our leading character like come out of the car and everything and it's like in this desert setting and everything or it's in these like very simple palettes like she really pops on that page you know and i think there's a lot of like smart design like that 
um, in crafting like big and small moments, which is which is good. I, I think it's really just like the time travel stuff sometimes, like when you really get in the meat of like the you know kind of third act where like it gets a little bit like just tough to follow sometimes. Like I guess that's the point, but. Is it the point? I hope not. <laughs> I feel like it's suppo- it's supposed to feel frantic, and it does, but it's mostly because it's like I'm having trouble comprehending it, mm. which is, I think, an overstep I, of that. I really like the page, and it's a very small moment, but when it's um, – oh, it's right after Teddy speaks with her, her mother, um, she f- goes back to – her cabin or whatever and finds Teddy and Anno in bed and they're having a conversation and then she pulls the blanket off of them on the next page is I think it's I think it's the first time we see old Teddy and we see the different versions of Teddy kind of walking on top of the page uh, I, I think that's really cool I always I, I fucking love it when you get characters working outside the yeah the, like the confines the of the panel yeah yeah uh, the yep. gutter yes thank you um <laughs> you went to college <laughs> it's almost almost like I have a master's degree in this shit uh, yeah yeah and I, again I think overall the art is really impressive here and uh, it's it's definitely like really really good work m- m- way more often than not I think. And I think because I liked the art so much, I I think that really influenced my enjoyment of reading the series, you know, because like, you know, we've been talking about this book for a while now and we've had very little positive to say about the actual narrative, but I didn't hate reading it, you know, like I didn't, I didn't think it was like not enjoyable um, on any level and I, I wouldn't recommend it, but I also like... I wasn't like totally turned off by it and like waiting for it to end because it was brisk and you know like there's a lot to enjoy on the page even if the narrative is like a little bit you know all over the place. I don't know if I enjoyed a single moment of the of what was written in the book. Like enjoyed. I don't think I can say that. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I disagree and I wonder, with that either. Because you said that this was originally a French comic. I wonder if that has anything to do with it, just because... I I, I did wonder if maybe some of the, the broader sort of translation maybe didn't yeah. quite... Like, it sound, like, you know the way translations will sometimes... They sound fine and they'll make sense, but there's just something right. not quite right. Yeah, it's just like that's not really how people speak or whatever. Like, and yeah. I wonder if that is like some of it just got lost in translation, and that's why the voices are a little off. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I genuinely wish I knew someone who read this in French uh, to compare, you know, to compare, and and to see how it how that feels. Yeah. And especially, especially with something like the use of Emmett Till and then Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> Like, like a, a French person wouldn't 
necessarily get the subtleties of that. You know what I mean? Oh, I definitely know what you mean because I played the video game Detroit Become Human and it similarly handled issues of, uh, like, American racism with the subtlety of, like, a a car bomb. I don't know. Like, (laughs) where it's like the robots are, like, black people. Did you get did you get that? If not, here's a black woman to tell you that it's exactly the same. Boom. American politics. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, was there uh, anything else you want to say about the art? No, I think it was really good. I'd love to see more of this yeah. person's work. I think Elsa has there. I could easily see this type of art style being used in big two books. I feel like there's a place for I, this style. It reminds me of Hawkeye. I want to say she's on the the that Wasp book that everybody was talking about this year. She... I don't know if she... I, I, I know it's in her credits. I don't know if it was this year. Uh, but she just finished a book with uh, Mac Fraction that sounds like it's going to keep going. Nice. Uh, yeah. November, yeah. I think is called. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm real excited about Good that. No surprise. Uh, um, she's not the artist. She's a co-writer on the uh, the second volume of Infinity. Oh, okay. Also, oh, she's not the artist. Yeah, so the okay, not okay. not in the second volume. No, yeah. Um, it's uh, the second volume. Uh, I, ha- I haven't read it, but from what I understand, the story is very very different. It seems like it ex- explores our relationship to like screens and stuff as opposed oh. to LGBT oh. issues okay. or blatantly uh, exploring LGBT <laughs> issues. Okay, well, let's let's end it the way we do. What would you rate this book and would you recommend it? Uh, I already said I, I don't think I'd recommend it really um, just because I, I just don't. Aside from the art, I don't feel like there's much about it that is special. You know, I think you could mm. easily find uh, a a comic with the like uh, the same message, let alone a similar one that's just executes on it better. Um, so yeah, I just uh, I don't know. Like I, I think unless it was somebody who is like a really really rabid reader that had you know exhausted their way through everything else that I could recommend, maybe. But I, you know, I, I'd say like it's probably a six, um, maybe a seven because of the art. Because I really think the art is great. But I, I think you're really like just kind of faffing your way through a pretty mediocre narrative for that art. Yeah, uh, I don't really have anything different to say. I, uh, I really love the art and. That's where I feel like I'll leave it. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's probably closer to a five. Like I, I, I like the art, but that's the that's what gets it to a five. Like, yeah, that's fair. The, uh, the 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 writing just it beats you over the head and leaves you alienated, and it it sort of feels like the writer checks out in issue six. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, and I, I don't think I would recommend it. I think I, no, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, well, that's it then. <laughs> that that's done. Been infinite looped. I hope there is a uh, a universe where this book is good and we liked it. 
I think there's uh, a universe where I'm stuck in the infinite loop of reading this shit over and over again. Oh, isn't isn't that just the show? (sighs) Yeah, I think it is. Uh, Yeah, it is. Listen, we've got a bunch of stuff coming at you all the time. As I said earlier, the main show launches on Mondays. Phil and Sean did a killer job with writer Al Ewing, uh, kind of looking over his career at Marvel. And all that is in the same podcast feed you're in right now. Just scroll for a while, you'll find it. If you want more content like this book club, we put them out on the last Tuesday of every month. And for the month of January, we did Spider-Man Life Story by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley. I hosted that one. How to get that in there. Who cares? <laughs> We're on all your favorite social media platforms at The Comics Pals. Leave us a like, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and drop us a review. It helps us get eyes on the product, and that lets us keep doing this. Thank you so much on behalf of uh, Pete, Sean, Phil, and Marco, uh, and all the other voices that are m- that make up the Comics Pals. Goodbye. Take care. Bye.